0: Okay, good morning, good morning. They they tricked me. They said there was gonna be a sermon video, you know. But that's a, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Ross just gave me a heads up that if you're a youth six to twelve, you can meet him downstairs, and they will be having youth this morning. So come on, make your way down. Come on, like The Price is Right. Come on, for those who knows what that show is. There we go. Well, awesome. Well, guys, we are so excited that you are joining us this morning here at Luminous Church in these comfy chairs. Promise me that you're not going to go to sleep, okay? I know that they're comfortable. The weather is a little gloomy outside. Man, I I love this fall weather. Um, And if you're just joining us for the first time, whether in person or online, you know, I, I know some people in person. Come on, Joseph. What's up, Joseph? Come on, one of our college students, first Sunday here. Uh, you know, I had to call you out, bro. Love you, man. Love you. I had to call you out. But if you're joining us for the first time, we're, we're actually in a series of Habakkuk. You know, we've been in this series for the last five weeks, and it's been really eye-opening and very enlightening and really speaking to the times, to our times. You like, what is going on is the, the title of the sermon series. What is going on? You know, that was the question I had or the thought I had this week at Wednesday when I got a text message from Pastor Ben said, hey, I got a one-on-one fever. I was like, oh, you know, I already know what he was alluding to. Like, hey, be ready for Sunday because I won't be there. Um, so, I mean, and there's a lot of other things that's been happening this week. I'm sure I've been having conversations with multiple people in our church. We had some babies, two babies born this week. That's exciting. That's exciting. But also I've heard the opposite of that, you know, some, some troubling things and family members in the hospitals and, and different things like that. And, and I know that's a question that's been going on is what is going on, right? Yeah. P.E., come on. Come on. So, a, a quick recap for those who are just joining us. I feel like this is like, you know, the recap of the, uh, the TV show you've been watching for the last couple weeks. Last week, you know, and on Grey's Anatomy, this is what happened, right? But the last couple weeks here at Luminous Church, as we're diving in to the book of Habakkuk, this is what's been happening. The book opens up with a dialogue, a dialogue with God and Habakkuk, where we see. Habakkuk continued to cast his complaint to God. God responds, and he does it again, and God responds. And, and this is his complaint, okay? Like, how many, how many complainers we have here? You know, like, I'm a complainer, you know? I'm going to be honest and vulnerable with you. I am a complainer. There's, there's always something for me to complain about, okay? Either you're too early, you're too late, you know? What is it, you know? Um, but this is his complaint here, is that, man, life in Israel is terrible, it's horrible, right, that, that the Torah is being neglected, that the Israelites in this moment, it's, it's this violence is happening everywhere, there's injustice, and it's being tolerated by the corrupt officials. Wow, sounds a little familiar, huh? And this is what God's response to that, right? That was the first complaint. This is God's response, is that God is completely aware of what's happening in this moment in history, what's going on with his people. As you know, you cannot hide anything from God. God is in the loop always, which is sometimes scary, right? He's like, man, I can't do anything about him knowing. And this is what he says to Habakkuk. He's like, hey, I know what's happening. And, and what I'm doing right now, I'm summoning up the armies of the Babylonians, and they will bring justice. They will bring justice to Israel, which really doesn't sound too good for for Habakkuk, because he's like, man, I I really don't like what you're doing, God. You know, you have ever had that moment like, God, I'm not really like vibing with you at the moment, like what you're saying you're going to do doesn't necessarily line up with what I want you to do, or at least the way I want you to do it. Right, and so this is what's happening. So his second complaint is, well, you know, God, the Babylonians—they're even worse than Judah. Like they're really bad. They're pretty jacked up. They're awkward. You know, they—they do some taboo things. And like, how can you, being a just, amazing, pure God, use such a corrupt nation as an instrument in history? And this is what God goes back and responds to him the second time. He tells Habakkuk, hey, take out a tablet and record not only what you see, but what you hear. He said, there's a vision, it's a vision of a, an appointed time in the future. And although it may seem slow in coming, it will happen. So, up to this point, okay, this is where we're at. We are chapter three, we're wrapping up. Up to this point, Habakkuk has gotten so distracted what was going on around him, that he has lost track of the one who's been with him the entire time. He's in his feelings. He's in the feelings. He's lost perception. And when you have a lost perception, that will lead to a distorted view of God, where we tend to believe the lies that God is absent, our prayers are unheard, and that God does not care. Man, And I am so guilty of this. I get consumed with what's going on in the news, like are we wearing masks, we're not wearing masks, like what's happening with this COVID thing? Like, my gosh, just make a decision, you know, what's going on in my family as I'm just hearing different things, you know, like, man, my my grandmother's health is going up and down and other things that are happening around me when I'm dealing on a personal level that sometimes I think, what's the point? Like, like what's really the point? Like, I've I've prayed, and I've gone to church, and I've done these things, and yet, God, where are you? Nothing has changed. And this morning, this is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at how, really, uh, Habakkuk changes this progression from confusion to clarity and from fear to faith. And this is the hope that we have this morning, and I hope that God will mobilize us to a place of that, that whatever it is concerning to you this morning, whatever that is bothering you, whatever is distracting you from who God really is, that that will be removed so he can be elevated. And as we look at this text, these are the three observations I'm going to look at that that really this Well, Habakkuk just modeled, he modeled how we are to pray, how are we to perceive, and lastly, how are we to praise. Let us pray this morning. Lord, meet us this morning. God, we need a move of God in our lives. We need a move of God in our time. God, meet us this morning. Change us. Help us to see what you see in our circumstances. Allow you to be magnified in every area of our life. In your name we pray, amen. Well, guys, we have a lot of reading to do this morning. I wish I could just call on my wife, the English, the former English teacher, to read for us. You know, she has an amazing you know, voice, not only as a singer, but also as a former English teacher. And so we're going to read the entire, everyone say the entire, the entire, chapter 3 of Habakkuk, okay? And so we're starting at verse One, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigunuf. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. God came from Tamman the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sun rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountain crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but the marches on forever. I saw the tents of cushion in distress. Dwellings in Midian in anguish were angry with the rivers, Lord. Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode horses and chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you in rivers. torrents of water sit, uh, swept by the deep roared and lifted its wave on high. Sun and mood stood still in the heavens. All glint of your flying arrows at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, you stripped him from the head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head, when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the seal of your horses. Journeying in great waters, I heard, and my heart pounded, and my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled, yet I will patiently wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on heights for the director of music on my string instrument. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. And as I say, we're going to be looking at three things, right? The first thing we're going to look at is how we are to pray. You know, and prayer is something that we know to do as believers, you know, that we are called to pray. Prayer is essential to the life of every believer. But it's not just how or what we pray, but how we pray that matters. And we see it framed for us here in verse 2 when Habakkuk says this. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath, remember mercy. See, Habakkuk prayer is no longer personal. It's no longer about his complaints. As we talked about, he's just complaining, God responds, complaining, God responds. He is moving to this place of faith where now his prayers is about God's revival and about God's work. See, I might not understand what you're doing completely, but my prayer now is that revival will break out. This is what he's saying right here, God. I don't know exactly why you're doing what you're doing, or how you're going to do this, how your glory is going to display this. But I need, I know this that your revival will break out. And this is the thing, revival is not just about reviving a, a non-believer, a non-Christian because they don't believe in God. That's called a spiritual awakening, right? Like they have this awakening moment when they are empowered and they begin to become a believer. But a revival has to do with reviving the believer to trust God again. See, Habakkuk was a believer. He knew God. He's seen God move. But he has this moment, this crisis in his life when he's having difficulty trusting God again. See, chapter 1 and 2, Habakkuk is praying that people will turn back to God and then revival will happen. And we should be praying not for the non-believer, but praying that God will revive us as believers so he revives us as he does so. His power will be seen through the city, through our nations, through our campuses. And every time we look in history and in the scripture, we see that God often awakens a dead soul by using someone who was formerly in that same state. That's how God moves. That's what he does. He invites his people to be a part of the process. But this is the problem that we have sometimes. Can I, can I get real this morning? Like This is the problem that we have. It's not just that evil is happening with the non-believer and how they choose to live their life, but it's the lack of faith And trust in God that he wants us to continue to do in us. The lack of faith that we have in him to revive us so that we can be used by him for his greater redemptive work. We need a revival. We need a revival. If your goal is to be more Christ-like and to be conformed into his image, then we should be asking ourselves, God, revive us. God, change me revive our hearts so that we can have a heart like his that that no one should perish so everyone to come into repentance to him notice again that habakkuk's prayer is that lord revive your work not ours not my work and our prayers should be like that but a lot of times our prayers are more like god revive my work meaning like god like i i've been praying about this for a while you know and can you just move on my time can you just you know do me a solid you know and just just do this for me and God doesn't work that way as you know like he doesn't operate that way that you know that we exchange favors God is righteous he is pure and he is good and his work is much more greater than ours And he wants to fulfill that purpose. See, the only part that we have in God's work is that we should be praying that God's work will go forth. Church, this morning, as as you're here with us, do you pray for God's will more than your own? Are, Are you really adamantly praying for God to do not just something for you, but do something through you? I can be honest a lot of times that is not my prayer you know like I'm praying for everything else and it becomes more like Habakkuk I'm just giving God my complaints and God wants to hear what's concerning to us yes he does but he also wants to hear his heart in return like God man help me reach my neighbor help me do something for the city help me make a move of God God revive me in this place See, Charles Spurgeon, he's one of my favorite uh, pa- old pastors and theologians, and he says this. He says, shake off all bitterness of everything that has to do with self or of party, and now pray. Lord, revive thy work, and if thy work happen to lie more in one branch of the church than another, Lord, give that most reviving." Give us all the blessing, but do not let thine own purpose be accomplished and thine own glory come out of it. And we shall be well content, though we should be forgotten and unknown. O Lord, revive thy work. There's also an an old hymn that says this. It says, I pray thee with me. Or in other words, of the old spiritual, it says this. It's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in a need of prayer. And my greatest challenge a lot of times in my life, especially with my walk with the Lord, is the person in the mirror. Right? It's, it's, it, this is what ends up happening. that I need to look to myself and look in the mirror and say, man, I need a revival. And this is where revival must begin. It must begin in here. And we see this shift happening here with Habakkuk, where his dialogue has moved from asking God to change Judah, to change how he's going to use the Babylonians, to now, Lord, revive me. Revive me. And this is the same thing that we must ask. At the same time, it must be personal prayer. Lord, revive me. Is this your prayer today? It's just your prayer this morning, God, revive me. Because a lot of times we often blame the church and its sin. We play corruption and laziness. And we pray. We also blame prayerlessness, lack of spiritual power, or whatever else. You know, we always have uh, a really something to blame, and we forget that we are the church. That we are the church. It's not just we come here to come to church. No, we are the church. And so when we look at it from that framework, are we to blame? Are we to blame? Once again, we, we see this. We see that, you see know, that Habakkuk is shifting. There's a move that's happening on his heart. So are you praying for God's will to go forth? And are you praying for revival to happen? See, pray, yes, pray. But just just don't pray regular words, things that are not going to to really line up with God's will. Pray as Habakkuk did. Pray for personal revival as you begin to elevate these prayers. Here are a couple ways to see if God is doing something in you. Number one, just, just check your conduct. Check your conduct. That means, like, man, how are you glorifying God in your life? How about your private life? When God is, when people are not around, what are you doing? When the Lord, when only the Lord can see. Secondly, check your conversation. Is your speech impure is it glorifying to God do you talk about Jesus with your friends do you talk about Jesus with your neighbors do you talk with Jesus about Jesus in your in your places of influence and lastly check your communion are you living a growing abiding life with Jesus is there a moment daily that you spend with him that you can actually say I'm exchanging my will for his will See, Habakkuk's decision to remain in position not only allowed him to, to be able to see God and be a part of what God is trying to do, but it also is what led to this vision that he had. It changed everything, his perception changed. And this is what happens when we pray God's prayer, our perception of him and what he's doing changes. It changes because now we have his heart, his perspective, and this is what prayer does. So after his prayer, Habakkuk has this vision of God. The prophet record his experience in the next uh, couple verses, verses 3 to 15. It's all this, this vision that is given to him by God. But the point is very clear, is this, that knowing that his nation faces judgment, Habakkuk says, God, do something, right? Like, that is our prayer out of desperation and despair. God, do something. And this, this vision, God answers that very thing. It's as if God was saying, Habakkuk, you have forgotten who I am. Like you've forgotten what I've already accomplished. You've already forgotten the God that you serve. So he says, hey, let me show you. And this is where this vision comes in. Let me show you who I am, because if you understand who I am, then you'll be able to be at ease. In these verses, Habakkuk recounts God's activity in the past. He especially focuses on on Exodus, the time in the wilderness and the crossing of the Jordan River. This is the period in which God repeatedly works spectacular miracles. By recounting all of these things, God is saying, have you forgotten what I did for you in the past? If he did it before, he can do it again. And I'm guilty of this as well, right? Sometimes I I read the Bible and I look at it and I kind of secretly wonder in my thoughts, if God, can you really do it again today, right? Can you do it again today in the 21st century Can you do it again today? Whether it's a healing, whether it's multiplying something, whether it's provision, may God, can you do it again today? And here is the answer. He is God. (laughs) It's plain and simple. He is God, and he can intervene whenever he wants to. We can get an idea of this vision in verse 13 to 15, which focuses on the, the defeat of Pharaoh at the Red Sea. Let's look at, at this. It says, verse 13, You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of the wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his, when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters And as we look at these verses, look at the verbs that's happening here. Look at the verbs that are being displayed. You came out, you crushed, you stripped, you pierced, you trampled. This is what God did. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. And we can see two things very clearly here. The utter defeat of those who oppose God. And secondly, the, the divine determination to do whatever it takes to deliver God's people why is this here why is this here in the text and i think it's because a lot of times what ends up happening is that people have not found a god big enough for modern problems we don't think he's big enough for these things right when when covid came and the political stuff happened and, and so many things were going on at once that question comes is like where is god Where is God in this? But the thing is, is if you had a bigger God, right? There's a lot of people say this, right? If you had a bigger God, you wouldn't worry as much. If you had a bigger God, you would be stronger in these moments of crisis. If you had a bigger God, you would be less tempted to compromise. But when was the last time you remember how God saved you? huh? When when was the last time you remember what God has saved you from? When was the last time you thought of your personal testimony of what he's done in your life and how you're delivered and set free? When we need to start remembering who God is, when we stop remembering all these distractions around us and start remembering how big he is, then our perspective changes. Right? Our perspective changes. And this is what's happening is that is that Habakkuk's perspective of who God is is changing. which started mobilizing him to a place of praise. Because when you remember who God is, when you remember what he's done and how big and amazing and great our God is, all you can do is praise. All you can do is bow down in the glory of who he is. And this is where we come up at the, at the end of this book well, we see first that there's, a, there's acceptance, right? Like Habakkuk was complaining. And he was like, man, God, why are you doing it this way and not this way? And this is what it says in verse 16. He says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Where before he was fighting against what God is trying to do. He said, God, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting for it. I accept it. This is habakkuk's way of saying i get it lord <laughs> i got it the babylonians they're gonna come they're gonna attack us then you would judge them and i will wait for that day to come as it turns out habakkuk most likely did not see that happening um but we see this is that man he he, he writes down this message and he declares this what he hears and sees and he says message received message to receive I get it secondly we see this there is a commitment in verse 17 to 18 that shows us what faith looks like when life tumbles around us verse 17 though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine so the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The word rejoice literally means to jump for joy. We might even say it means to dance for joy for those who can dance, not me, but for those who can. But how is this possible? How can you have joy when it looks like everything around you is turned upside down? when it seems like the Israel's economy was so based on agriculture, it's completely robbed, and there's a drought, and and all these things are happening, there's this meltdown. It's this, is that like, man, there's something that happened. There was a shifting that happened in this moment. And I think this is what happens to a lot of us, is that too many Christians have a God of the good times. They serve God and love Him and praise Him when all is going well. But what do you do when hard times come? What do you do when hard times really come? If all you have is God of the good times, then you don't have the Bible, the God of the Bible at all. Because sometimes the fig tree does not bud. right? Sometimes your finances may not grow. Sometimes there is no grapes, there's no food in the cupboard. Sometimes things fall around, fall apart around you. And what do you do then? Can you get angry with God? Do you just start complaining? Or do you give up altogether? And I just want to be honest this morning. Is, is this is like I mean, there's moments like that that actually happens that we're faced positions and, and we're faced with different obstacles that maybe sometimes that thought comes in man do i just give up all but the option is the other option is this is that maybe you just choose god and i think oftentimes we mistake faith with our feelings right They're like this is what i feel at the moment and because of this is how I feel, this is what I do. But our faith is not really determined by our feelings. Faith isn't about our feelings at all or about our circumstances. Faith chooses to believe when it would be easier to stop believing. That's what faith is. Habakkuk says this, is that I will wait patiently and I will rejoice. He found new strength in the midst of everything that was happening. The last verse of Habakkuk is is often overlooked. Verse 19. It says this The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer, feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. See, this is a beautiful depiction of what God does. He is who makes it possible. It's His intervention, it's His strength, it is His work that secures our feet in difficult circumstances like the, the sure-footed deer. In this picture, it's you have to understand, it's like this deer is, is able to climb up the steepest mountains. And so what he's saying in this moment, he's saying, man, this is what God does. He enables us. He strengthens us. When moments are hard, when things like things are impossible, that we can't even reach them, that he's the one who strengthens us, to allows us to climb up these circumstances in these moments. Because without him, we would surely slip and fall. This morning, if you know the Lord, he will give you stability in the slippery moments of life. He will give you grace to stand when otherwise you will just fall apart. See, it reminds me of Ephesians 6.13, which says that when we put on the armor of God, having done all, we will stand safe and secure when the battle is over. And this is where the book is beginning to end. And and let me just reiterate this moment, this thing that's going on is, is this, is that nothing has changed. Remember this, nothing has changed. God didn't change his mind on how he was going to bring justice to the Israelites. Nothing has changed at all on the outside. The people of Judah still have forgotten God. Violence still is happening. The wicked still oppresses the righteous, and the Babylonians are still coming. Hard times are coming. There is nothing anyone can do about it. Nothing has changed except this. Habakkuk has changed on the inside habakkuk has changed on this inside and this is like i said earlier this is where revival happens and i know this this morning we all come from different situations some of us are in we're happy right now some of us are sad some of us are healthy some are sick some of our family members are in different places as well some of us are excited about what the future holds some of us are scared about what the future holds but if we know the lord If God is our Savior, we can still have feet to tread on the heights in the worst moments of life. And we can stand when others fall around us because of what He has done. Not what I have done, but what He he has done. And Hebrews 12, 2 reminds us of this. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus. Because when we do, when we fix our eyes on Him, we know how to pray. We know how to, to have the right perception, his perception, and then we know how to praise. So we need, we need our perspective of God to grow, and that will change how we see things around us. And as we come to a close this morning, I want to end with a song. I want to end with a song because this is how the book of habakkuk ends the very last line in the book it says to the choir master with string instruments you know to Aaron with the string instrument and as i as i as we do this i want to spend some time reflecting cuz this is one thing i do know is this i think i know that god is a god of action that he doesn't just want to give you information this morning, that he's really mobilizing your heart to a place of faith. And I want us to stand. And this is a really great song, and I'm going to ask you not to sing, but to reflect. And the flexion that we have this morning is is two things. One, I I want you to, to remind yourself how God saved you. That moment when he ripped you out of the pits of hell, when he removed you from despair, when he moved you from depression, when he removed you from bondage, when he removed you from all those things that the enemy was trying to do, when he removed you from those things, how has God saved you? And what has he saved you from? I want you just to reflect on that. So, as you reflect on that, you're going to be reminded of how great He is and the power that He has to change your life despite your circumstances. And the thing is, we need these reminders, not just today, we need these reminders every day. Because it grows our view of God and moves us to trusting and praising Him. And lastly, to to quote verse 4 in chapter 2, it says, The righteous shall live by faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that you came to meet us, that you came to change us from the inside out. God, that there is a revival happening on the inside. Although my circumstances may not change, my perception of who you are has changed. And we will glorify you this morning. We choose to praise you. We choose to honor you. We choose to elevate you. God, thank you for saving us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just move in this place, that you will remind us of who you are and what you have done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.